The Youthscape Podcast. Hi everybody and welcome to the Youthscape Podcast where we talk about things that we think really matter in the youth ministry world. And Martin. Hello. And I'm Rachel, just thought I'd do that actually. But Martin, Hello. I'm quite excited because you've got some news. I've got news. You've got news, That's it's right. multiplying. So what's your news? Um, well, I'm, I'm going back to the shop floor. So wow. I'm going back into uh, church-based youth ministry. So you have been a, a youth worker in a uh, church do you know what? paid? Do you know what? I've never been an employed, no, I've never been employed either. youth worker, but I am for the first Bond time, for a, bit of my, for a bit of my time, going to be an employed youth worker. Wow. So, uh, so I, you're staying here at YouthScape. I am. I am. But for a limited number of hours a week, I'm wow. going to be the interim youth minister wow. at St. Mary's Rygate. Our wonderful... Uh, youth worker Matt, Matt Harris who we heard on the podcast yeah, a few, uh, weeks back uh, he is moving with his family as his wife uh, goes to get uh, goes through the ordination process brilliant. and training um, and so uh, he is leaving a mighty uh, gap mm-hmm. and I am the, uh, the mighty sort of, plug I, I'm like a very cheap pot of filler <laughs> and right. it's going to last a few months but <laughs> eventually it will erode and collapse and crumble Taking oh, well, most no, of the we're not. We're not accepting that. Sorry. That negativity. Go yeah. knock it back. I'm just knocking it back right now. I'm brushing off your shoulders. So, I, for a while, anyway, I'm going to be That's heading exciting. up the youth. Yeah, really and, exciting. When you told me, you were just buzzing. Well, I think because I've had this extraordinary series of, you know, when I don't have this very often, but you know, when God suddenly, very quickly, starts to confirm things. Yes. And you just see uh, over a number of days. Just like, oh, that happened, and then that yes. happened, and then I had that conversation. I just kept bumping into young people, or parents, or families, or uh, other people who just just confirmed that God was sort of moving yes. and and pushing me towards this, really. And so it doesn't feel like I'm very willing, but it doesn't it doesn't feel like um, it was very difficult at all to because it just seemed to happen so yes, quickly. Yes. I didn't go looking for it, um, and uh, and when I was asked, it suddenly felt like God was saying it was so, out of the years. Uh, it's absolutely so, fantastic. Yeah. So, um, so you were saying that you, you've, you've heard God's voice in this. Is, is, it, is this just about you being obedient to God and doing what, what you're hearing him say? Is there something more? Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I love my church and I love my community mm. and I, 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 do, I have long felt this kind of um, desire to get more involved in the, in the youth ministry of the church. So that, that's always been a bit of a pull anyway. Um, I moved to the town I live in 10 years ago and felt that time God was saying like we're going to put down deep roots here wow. and uh, and your family is going to you know really put down deep roots in into this community and we always had this kind of family idea that as our our own kids became teenagers that we want to throw the doors open of our house mm. and invite you know lots of young people to kind of be mm. present at, with our family and that could to kind of yes, live in that kind yeah. of open way and it's interesting just the timing of this chimes quite well with my own kids starting to hit that period of, of life as well um but yeah i mean i just i i also think what i do here you know developing resources to be used nationally what i do here um speaking telling youth workers how to do their job <laughs> is infinitely richer if i have some some live experience yeah. that isn't from a few years ago 
this live experience yeah. of, of working and you've always wanted to hold on to that I mean you've been a volunteer yeah. youth worker since the year dot but I think yeah. as you say there's something about this move now I just want to ask you because you often on this podcast are quite disparaging of yourself and you often sort of talk about how you are living and, and raising your family and doing volunteer youth work and now paid youth work in a community that actually is a different kind of community to the one that you grew up in like yeah. this is this is a kind of more affluent community yeah. the young people have deep profound needs but mm. you know it's a bit more hidden mm. so what what does that how what does that sort of make you feel that you're, you're going to be leading youth mm. ministry in a community mm. that actually you so often say hmm this is not quite where i come from like yeah. these are not the same yeah it's tricky it's tricky work. i mean my my parents both came from sort of a, uh, a council estate in in london yeah uh, i was the first person in my family to sort of hit the higher levels of education um, and so I've been, I've kind of been, I'm, I moved into a very middle class area, but didn't, didn't sort of grow up in that. And that yeah. wasn't my, my home context. So I, I, I've still hopefully got some sort of connection to a world of reality outside the middle class Christian bubble. I hope. Um, I think there's amazing, amazing power in seeing, in getting to those young people growing up in the middle class context before the middle class dream eats them alive you know before they decide that they want to become investment bankers if you can grab young people if you can get into if you can get the radical call of jesus mm. to infect the lives of those young people before they become you know uh, obsessed with their own financial security mm. then they are in a wonderful position to change the world and uh, because they have resources behind them because they will um, become because merchant bankers because and, yeah, actually they've got great education yeah. and so it is you know, I think there's no one context that's more valid than any other. But there's great work to be done yeah. amongst those young people. And uh, and I've seen, like, I've seen, you know, a girl I often talk about on this podcast, who I won't name, but, you know, she was headed for the heights of, uh, you know, she probably would have been a barrister, you know, mm. at the top levels of, of London law um, by now. Instead, she is working alongside the most, the poorest, the most broken, most vulnerable mm. people in our society because, kind of, she we got not we got to her, but, mm. but the spirit of God got to her mm. uh, before she started to buy fully into that mm. that, that kind of middle class dream. Now, some would say, actually, where she whether she's working with the most vulnerable or, or as the top barrister. Yeah. Actually, we need Christians with yeah, the of Jesus in, in in both those areas. Yeah, I know. I know that's what the right thing is to say. I don't feel it in my heart. Like I know, I know, I know that is the thing. I know that's the thinking, and that's what we've all mm. said from the stage for many years now. That we need Christians at the top levels of mm. all these things. But God, I don't know. I feel like God's revolution is always like at the. It's always coming through the bottom. Mm. It's always like through the unlikely people. It's the foolishness of this world to shame mm. the wise. So mm. do I? Would I rather somebody went into you know the top level of the old Bailey or working in a homeless project in some part some very distant part of the country or another mm. country i think the latter actually wow i'd rather that's so interesting because I, I would agree with you but i'd also disagree with you because i think that that we need to have people who are sold out for the kingdom of god in every level of society and i think it is interesting because history tells us that the church spread massively in the ancient world because the Christians stayed put in Alexandria when the plague happened yeah. and they literally were wiped out and died yeah. because they didn't leave when everyone else left. So there's something, I mean, there would have been barristers and yeah. street cleaners yeah. Yeah. there. And, and, and that story 
is so um, counterintuitive and countercultural. Yeah. But equally, imagine if um, you know the Brexit conversations were being held between people who had bought into a kingdom of God mentality. That actually, that their whole raison d'être yeah. for being in power is to protect the most vulnerable and yeah. the weakest. Well, then they need to be the right kind of Christians, don't they? Otherwise, they'd probably just. Did. Give it, get us an even worse Brexit deal. I think the problem. <laughs> but it's the interesting, pro- so isn't I, it? I, my the the reason I find that tricky is I feel like sometimes we use this stuff as a rationale and a justification and moral licensing for not going to the mm. the lowest and the and the least mm. and the most obscure parts of society. And actually, you know, we use it as a justification for buying into a financial security mm. narrative and a middle class ambition narrative. And I've got to get to the top of my profession narrative because because I'm doing it for Jesus. Mm. Like I I know for some people that absolutely is true, but at the same time, it's very convenient. And that's that's the problem. I, I still I live in Rygate, I still have this ongoing angst about living in this lovely place. Because it's lovely. Mm. Nothing ever goes wrong there. Mm. You know, or at least that's how it looks on the surface. Um so I, I still wonder. You know, am I just mm. am I just kidding myself? Am I just justifying my lovely life? Because I, I mean, I think you you are always very provocative, and you always challenge me and make me double sort of think again what my assumptions are. Because I was just listening to you and thinking, ironically, most most of us don't live at either end of the extreme. Most Christians I know are not either negotiating all the Brexit deals and mass immigration and thinking about future where we get clean water from. And we're not living in the most impoverished communities, working with you know the complete outcasts. Most of us are somewhere in the middle, and most of that middle ground in the West is identified by a little bit of financial security. So even if it's only four pound ninety nine that I've got in my bank, um, and whatever it might be, there's still something there that's a buffer. And I think. It is interesting, isn't it, how this stuff plays out because it can't just play out in the fringes. Like those who could do that amazing thing, but they're not doing that. It needs to also be played out in Absolutely. in how I where I send my money today, yes. where I choose to be. And I think that's why you'll be a phenomenal youth worker in that mix, Martin, because you you're fully comfortable in that environment because you've learnt to see beyond the trappings. But you also had this wonderful heart to to call a young person out of the the pressures and the stresses of the middle class dream into yeah. God's dream which could absolutely wreck them but you'll be yeah. like I'm cool with that yeah. and I think that's great yeah. that's brilliant and, and you know I don't as I say all of that I, I don't want to be as so arrogant as to no. presume A I know what I'm talking about or B that I know people's motivations you yeah, know I yeah, think yeah, yeah. it's really easy to go the other way and to say well or to be honest with you it's always yeah. it's really always about yeah. justifying your middle class financial security it's not there no. are some people who are absolutely you know I know a guy who who has ended up writing Hollywood movies, who, you know, heard a prophetic call from God that that's how he's going to be used. Now, he's had a lovely life. You know, he's, he's got yes. loads of money. But uh, but God absolutely called, called him to that. Him so him. I'm not suggesting that he doesn't. No. I'm, I'm just raising the, the question. Have we created a whole new narrative around uh, what it means to be a new an emerging leader mm-hmm. that justifies... You, you, you going in a hundred different it's other great, directions. It's a great prophetic question. And the, and the problem with it is question. it drains the church of great quality mm. leaders who might just have been committed to church ministry or youth ministry. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. have had you know loads of, and it's brilliant. We've seen this real um, uh, breadth of, of, of what it means to be a, a young leader, an emerging leader. Mm. And now you can go into all these different spheres of influence. But what that also means is that youth ministry has become mm. the poorer 
for mm. losing for some losing brilliant those. leaders who have gone off to pursue a career yeah. in politics. Well, and I you think, hold that some attention. Well, I think the, the youth ministry training colleges would say that numbers are dwindling every year. And that, that won't just be that finances are tight. That will be, actually, we're grabbing a sense that we can do all of this. Um, and so, the, so the, we need to kind of be talking again about the call to youth ministry. Yeah. It's not just something you do if nothing else works out. Right. There's a call to youth ministry, which might come at a cost, and the cost right. might be, you know, pursuing X, Y, and Z. So the interview I did for, um, for today is it's a really short interview because I was um, we didn't have much time. I was with Miriam Swafford, and we didn't have very long. And I really wanted to just kind of quickly grab her and ask her some questions. Um, but it's typical Miriam. I mean, she lands it loud, and it's so punchy. It's so full of great stuff. But what I find so interesting about this is that, in a way, Moon would never call herself a youth worker, really. She's a student worker, she's a communicator, but the more I'm hearing her speak at the moment, the more I'm hearing her talk about her passion for young people, and she's speaking more at youth events. And in the move that she has made to Middlesbrough, which is very much what you're talking about, is choosing to go to a location and make living for Jesus work there and it makes no sense on paper like when she wants to move there the estate agent's like really you want to move to where she's like I want to go to the most deprived part of Middlesbrough and they're like do you want to like write your life off and she's like I want to see what it looks like if I'm living for Jesus and, and, and loving people in Jesus name and of course who is she connecting with most teenagers just mm. teenagers on the estate where she's living and so here is her just sort of chatting off the top of her head and off the top of her heart about what what is happening right now for her but because because she is daring to let god take her anywhere and she's daring to allow that to change her you just hear some just absolute jewels and diamonds really about what it means to serve young people in the context the youthscape podcast So, Miriam, how are you doing, friend? Mm. Hey, Rachel, you're all right. Now, Miriam, you work for Fusion, and people, you are, will be very well known to people for your love of students and your work with students in mm. universities around the UK, particularly in the North. We love it, come yeah. on. Yeah, and also, we might have seen you at Soul Survivor, when we take our young people to Soul Survivor. Yeah, summer, it's good, it's a good time. And you've recently been to the Netherlands, I hear, yeah. to speak to a conference of an event. How, how many young people were there? Um, it, it turns out uh, 20,000 teenagers in a football stadium As, <laughs> I mean that was new for me guys so it's like that's not like a normal day not a normal day no not you. at all and I think the other thing is that until you got there you hadn't realised that you were the only person of a female variety that's ever <laughs> spoken on a stage there is that true oh, well I know I was just finding out about the event I hadn't done any research before I showed up I'm not saying you should behave like that but I didn't know and then they were like yeah we've been going 44 years actually you're the first woman preacher we've ever had oh my goodness and I was like Right, do you know what you're about to release? By, like, I hope you guys are ready because you've got a wave of 14 year old girls that are about to get their ceiling shattered that they didn't even know they had until they saw it was possible and went, Oh, I can be that too. I can share Jesus too, like that. So I did warn them. I said, Are you sure you meant to invite me? Because tomorrow, visually, tomorrow, the girls sure. are going to see something that's going to shift something for them. But that can't be an unusual experience for you, I guess, because you are in your 20s uh-huh. you are a female speaker probably uh-huh. in some of the spaces you've been in you are the first woman or at least yes. the first woman who is young that we yes. have heard so have you had that experience before of, of girls looking up to you and saying I didn't know that girls could do this yeah so I didn't realise the power of role modelling to the extent that I now know simply by showing up so uh, obviously it matters what I teach but the very um just the very sign of a woman being on stage that is relatable to a 14-year-old girl, for example, 
it just... I never realised the power of that until queues of girls would wait after I'd spoken for me. And when they come up to me, they burst into tears and they'd say to me, I don't know why I'm crying and I don't know why I'm stood here, but I needed to, to speak to you, but I don't know what to say. And I'd re- I realised, so in response I go, it's just because you haven't seen it before and mm. it's okay because it is possible and that's all they needed and then we'd probably both cry together. Yeah. The amount of young women that just didn't know it was possible, didn't know that they could have a voice in that way too. And so some, it was like a big breath out. Mm. That's why they cried. Because yeah. it's like this big freeing breath moment of going, oh, me too, like I can be that too. I can share Jesus confidently. I can be all of girl, the girl that I am and that's okay. That's incredible. You know, so I've, I've learned that simply by experience, that the power of role modelling, just show up for just them be who and you watch are. what happens. And there'll uh-huh. be somebody there who'll look at you and say, if they can do this, right. I can. Right, it's like how free that... people, free people. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's what I've found. So how does that affect you? How do, how do you deal with that? Because that mm. could feel like... A terrifying burden. Oh my goodness, I've just discovered I'm the first woman that's ever spoken here. 20,000, <laughs> at least that half of them are going to be female. Yeah. Well, you know, how, how do you deal with that kind of pressure? Yeah. So I decided, I realised very early on that I couldn't be anything but Miriam and that I had to be okay with the fact that I'm not a particularly girly girl. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not super glamorous. I'm, I'm a bit of an idiot. I, I'm the kind of girl that would like jump off the stage and not think through the consequences or something. And so I really quickly realised I have to unapologetically be me because the power, yes, there's, there's a power in being female and teaching the Bible and authority, but there's a power in being a person fully secure in who they are as made by Jesus. And it's super important to me that any young person, male or female, can look at me and go... Oh, Ah, her security in Christ is what qualifies her to be on that stage because of who she knows stands in front of her. Mm. Therefore, I don't also have to be blonde and sporty or I don't have to be funny or I don't have to be like really strong like that guy or really glamorous like that woman. Mm. Actually, the depths of who I am is found in Jesus Mm. and because of him... I too can be courageous in in my in whatever space that might mean for them, which is probably opposite their friend in the playground or in the debate in class RE department when somebody has a pop at Christianity. Those moments where it doesn't matter what shoes you're wearing, it matters mm. that you're secure in who you are in Christ. Let's so. talk about that a little bit because I think what I love about your ministry is that we will see you popping up at these big events and you are an outstanding communicator, Mary. You, you're just incredible and you Thanks. inspire men and women. I remember being at the, the youth at the conference years ago Come when on. you preached on the, the platform with a, with a baseball bat and that's always <laughs> stayed with me. And I just watched you like lobbing these imaginary boards out to the audience yeah. thinking this woman is going to change things. But um, but you also are a, a mentor, a coach, a disciple. You disciple young women mm. in Hungary. You, you discipled young women and men in student ministry. Mm. so that is the kind of the hard graph stuff what does it take for us to really disciple young adults young people to to find their first identity in christ in a culture that says your first identity is in in that moment exactly who you think you are at that point so how how do you do that what lessons have you learned along the way yeah oh my goodness literally was in a text conversation with a teenager yesterday from my local who um i just that is such a profound truth that your feelings aren't god but when you're a teenager, I remember being 17 and all of that 17-year-old girl of, but I'm in love, but this is going to change. The-. And I just thought, oh my goodness, Miriam, be a big sister in this moment and kindly listen and and quite literally could say to her, I have been there. Mm. And secondly, call her out and know people do what they want to do, which means I know you're going to do exactly what you want to do. And then remind them the extraordinary power of who Jesus says they are. 
and begin to call them into that idea of what if the loudest voice in your life is who God says you are and what you want to do is live a spirit-led life, not a feelings-led life. That was my conversation yesterday and it was, oh, I remember being 17 and thinking, goodness me, my feelings aren't God. Mm. That's a huge truth to learn when everything you feel so intensely. But my big passion with discipleship is share real life with real people Um, You know, when you've got teenagers, you've got to fill your car rather than just take one on the road. But invite Mm. one more around your table. Mm. Get to know their context, their family, not just, you know, share a bit of who you Mm. are and how you're doing. Don't process all your stuff on everyone you mentor. Mm. Of course not. But when you've processed in your safe space, let them glimpse where you've got it really wrong, where you really learned the hard way. Mm. Um, And recently you've you've done some fairly... I mean, I think every decision that we make, whether it's big or small, is is big if we're making it in the light of who Christ says Uh we are. But you've made some fairly significant choices recently. You've Uh you've done a big move up to Middlesbrough. Come on up um, the borough. Part of the world. I I have no idea what that is. (laughs) It's the North East, East, everyone. Um, And that that has been a a huge shift of somebody who is preaching all the time, get out of your comfort zone, actually getting out of her comfort zone and moving to a different neighbourhood and working out what it means to disciple young people there. Right. Like, how has that changed you? A real yeah. geographical shift. Yeah, I basically moved where nobody wanted to move. Everyone tries to get from Middlesbrough to York, so I went from York to Middlesbrough, and literally the estate agent was like, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm an active Christian, so my, my motivation for my life decisions are based on the love of God and the love of other people, not career ladder, property ladder, status or comfort. And she was like, well, fair play then, move where you like, love. And so... um. I pray, my prayer life has got far less selfish because I walk out my door and have a reason to pray. And funnily enough, my stuff, it matters, but it's so small in comparison with the stuff that I now want to contend in the Holy Spirit for around freedom from addiction and freedom from abuse and freedom to stay in this country and even love of the local church where... Um, I guess people haven't seen it, what it could look like when it's fully thriving in a family that care for each other rather than dysfunctional. So my prayer life's changed. I'm less selfish now, I hope. Um, Genuinely, I know my neighbours, which is the advantage of moving north because people talk to each other more and moving into a a kind of a state where people don't have gardens. so Everyone kicks out the front when the sun comes out. So I know honestly about 25 of my neighbours by Mm. name and the kids and... Um, my main priority now to be at home is genuinely the strategy is love your neighbour literally read the the bible that's my strategy (laughs) I have no plan B love thy neighbour what does that actually look like how can I call a generation to live a life that only makes sense if the Holy Spirit's real unless I keep getting Absolutely. out the boat, right? Absolutely. So and I know lots of folk might be tuning into the weekly Uscape podcast. Well, I hope so, Because it Rachel. is you. Because oh. it is you, Brian. <laughs> That's more because um, it's you, love. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> we, get, we get hate mail, fan mail. Um, but um, I, I, you've got a, a sitting audience here of incredible youth workers listening to this who might be paid, they might not be paid, they might have been doing youth work for five minutes, they might have been doing it 57 years. Mm. Like, but this is on our watch, isn't it? God, God gives us this generation and says, move into the neighbourhood and love, love your neighbour, yeah, especially there's a bunch of young people. Come on. What, what would be your message to youth workers listening to this? That's a big email. Well, yeah, firstly, I just really respect you because the more I work with the young people in my context, the more I realise, guys, they are, aren't they so beautiful and fragile and... Uh, everything in me wants to be the best big sister I can be because I feel like the next move of God really is kind of like it almost belongs to the teenagers. Mm. And so I want to do everything we can to help them win um, and to throw off 
quickly the stuff that would so easily have entangled the generation before and to run that race with perseverance that longevity that you and I know about because we're past our teens and Mm. can look back and go hold on there's a way to pace this for the long haul but I mean I've just got huge respect for youth workers like hands down and and I and I would and I would say to you your life is your message so honestly if there are areas in which you want to see breakthrough in your young people's lives my challenge would be to look in the mirror with the Holy Spirit wow. and say well how might I live that breakthrough whether it is ministering the Holy Spirit and helping them prophesy over one another okay how are you being prophetic in your conversations the Lord will want to speak to you like that all the way through to I want my kids to be radically justice focused okay who have you got around your table from a different economic background to you Brilliant. your life is your message Brilliant. And you can't you can't learn all of that from books. Sometimes you just got to step no. out and discover. Amen. That's amazing. So Miriam, I'm gonna let you go because so we're at a different event like <laughs> you into I want another a cup of tea, Rach. But we're gonna see you popping up over the summer, probably at Soul Survivor or different festivals around the summer. And Miriam, thank you so much for all that you do and the ways that you do grab that baseball bat and you just hmm, knock you smash ceilings for young people. Thank you so much. Bless you guys. Now, a great interview. Miriam Swaffield was in the sun recently, wasn't she? <laughs> she was, front page, I think. So what was the story? Why was she there? Well, she was part of a little lineup of people that have just been ordained um, and blessed by Archbishop John Centerby. But I think there were some people dressed as stormtroopers. So it just is a mo- I mean, I love the photo because you're used to these photographs of ordained ministers being really excited, but sort of standing in their robes sort of very neatly. And then you have like this photo, which is John Centerby, and you've got Miriam with her converse and her black skinny jeans on. You've got people of them dressed as stormtroopers. And it just... I mean, there'll be some people looking at it probably thinking, wait a minute, that's not very respectful. But then I just look at it and go, this is so exciting. These these people are just so excited being mm-hmm. that let loose on God's world. So this is great. This is a celebration. I um, have been an Anglican a few years now. I'm aware there's very high church dress. There's also a very low church yeah, dress. When you go down the very low yeah. end, can you dress up as a stormtrooper? Well, I guess that. I mean, Chris Rogers, who is an Anglican ordained priest, he is actually... A high-level stormtroop or something. I don't know. There's some is that kind a thing? of thing. Well, I don't think it's a kind of a in the Bible and part of your ordination thing, but I think it is a thing. Just that he's in a club. <laughs> he's in a club. That's nice. And they dress up. <laughs> he's in a dressing up club. He's in a dressing up club. Oh. But yeah, no, it was a hilarious photo. Good. Well, look, great interview as ever. Uh, Miriam is uh, is fantastic. We want and you're more of her, don't you're right. She's starting to speak more into youth ministry. We love it, Miriam. Just, Miriam, don't fight it. Don't fight it. The Join call the to youth ministry is coming. She plants a youth church. Is it? In fact, you know the way like young people are getting, you know, older, younger. You know that thing we often say. It's a bit confusing. Yes. Yeah, say but again. we say like they're becoming young. They're calling it older, younger. Yes, older, younger. So they're becoming teenagers at sort of nine ah, and ten now, really. So we're becoming younger. So maybe older. as somebody who's been working with students, she can just shift down the ages now yeah. because students are becoming younger, older. Yeah, she's got a great older, big younger. sister voice as well. I think yeah. like she tells it as it is, and um, yeah, I think that's that's what young people need to hear, don't they? Everyone is. Everyone is. Everyone is here. That so we need some shout outs. So let's move to the bottom up. So first of all to Morlands. Morlands and their rabbits. Morlands, we love you. Please can we come and stay and have a holiday on the south coast? Thank you very much. Who's next? And and let's not forget Andy Defoe. Andy Defoe. Andy Defoe. And uh, and then we've got individual shout outs Mm -hmm. for the lovely Linda Givenathan at Hope Church Luton. And I'll let you do this one. And to Charles Merritt. Well, I have no idea who he is. Never met him, Your Honour. Don't do that. <laughs> oh, sorry, Charles. Hi, Charles. Why do you, you're Hi. Always, you're always I am awkward. Really I feel a bit awkward about this. With the Charles Merritt fan club shout out. I am. I, I do. I appreciate you 
Charles. Regular listeners will be enjoying the unfolding narrative. It's like awkwardness. Rachel's awkwardness around Charles. <laughs> anyway, so that's it for this week. I think good conversations, Martin. Great conversations. All I, the ho- best. I hope at the end of it, we've all, we've remained friends. Oh yes, I of hope course. at some point you felt annoyed with at least one of us, if yeah. not both of us. But that you've come to peace with it at yeah. the end, and you you're not going to write an angry letter. But you could email us with your thoughts on what yes. we discussed earlier on, or anything we talk about on this to podcast. Charles Merritt. <laughs> <laughs> It's getting weirder. Stop, stop. The stop email it. is podcast at youthscape.co.uk. Uh, remember, you can uh, patronise us uh, at patreon.com. Support this podcast at patreon.com slash youthscape. For just a dollar a month, you can support the ongoing ministry, that's right, ministry, mm-hmm. of the Youthscape podcast. <laughs> and, uh, and don't forget, the Youthscape prayer magnets are now available yes. in our store. You can stick prayer to your fridge, which is where God looks first. 